When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I'm Robin Crane, and this is the Growing Your Financial Business, The Woman's Way podcast. Listen, I was a financial advisor for over a decade, and I got so sick of the old archaic strategies that your grandpa used to get clients. What the industry teaches today is still so outdated and just doesn't work anymore. So I had to find a better way for myself, and then I got obsessed with sharing these how-tos with other women like me. The stuff I teach doesn't require giving up your life, your sanity, or your family time. I want women like you to have it easier than I had it so you can thrive in the industry. I've now helped thousands of women grow their financial businesses to multiple six figures, some even seven figures per year. So on this podcast, you're going to get an inside look at how they did it so you can do it too. Let's dive into the show. I am here with Lisa Stromberg, who is the CEO of PrismWork, a workplace culture and leadership consultancy. She and her team, they work with clients to help them build next-in-class 21st century cultures with the future-forward leaders um, that their companies need to succeed. Um, she's also a best-selling author. And check out her book, Work, Pause, Thrive. I'm very interested in that. Um, she's been in numerous high-profile conferences, uh, South by Southwest, TEDx, so many more. This, this woman is awesome. Very, very excited to have you here. Welcome, Leeson. Thank you, Robin. Thanks, listeners, for joining us. <laughs> I'm really excited to talk to you um, specifically about navigating your career with responsibilities of family and also work. Because I'm going through this right now with like having nanny issues for the last few months. Um, so it, it is such a navigation. So start with kind of your story about that and how it's been for you. And I know your book it has a lot to do with that as well. And, and bring us, bring us, bring us in with that. And then we'll go from there. Sure. So um, in my own journey, right, I got my graduate from college, went out and got my MBA, thought I was going to rise right straight up to that corner office, and, you know, when we actually all had offices. And uh Come to find out once I had children, and frankly, I was moving along, you know, to steady clip very quickly and, and, and getting promoted, et cetera, et cetera. And then I had um, children. And all of a sudden, I kind of started hitting these walls, glass, ceiling, cement, whatever you want to call it, and um, didn't really understand what's going on. And it was after the birth of my second child where I had spent um, months on bed rest, frankly, and I actually needed some support around how to reintegrate after that bed rest. And I was a vice president of an advertising agency, and I had a huge team, and we'd been doing all this great work. I'd literally been calling in from my bed rest because we actually didn't have this thing called the internet back in the day. And um, 
my company was like, no, you're either all in or you're all out. There's just, there was no flexibility, no kind of concept of, hey, you've been an incredible performer for us. You're an incredible deliverer, but you know, it can't happen. And so I decided I'm taking my human capital elsewhere. And I ended up launching on this very nonlinear career that was really optimized to ensure that I could be the kind of mother I wanted to be, but also be an incredible, successful professional. How do you do those two things? I actually had some success. And in fact, I had a team of women, a, a, a women's, a mom's group that also had had these very nonlinear careers. And many of them are some of the most successful women in Silicon Valley's names you would recognize. And so um, when Lean In came out, I said, wait a minute, there's another path. This whole Lean In, Lean In, you know, I'm looking for motherhood in the book and I'm finding it. And I said, we've got to change the narrative because there is another narrative out there. And so I ended up interviewing 186 women and surveying 1,500 more to learn how did women navigate work, family, you know, the constraints that we have as, as mothers in particular, but as parents in general. And uh, it was eye-opening for me and happy to discuss at length what I learned. Yeah. So what, what would you say are the, the biggest takeaways? Well, actually, let me back up stuff because I'm kind of curious. So when you said you took your human capital, and I like to say human capital, that's cool. I haven't really heard that. But you took your human capital and you did you start a new business or did you just find a place? To, okay, so you started your business. And what was that business? I uh, It was a great time to be a branding marketing expert in tech. I live in the Silicon Valley Bay area, San Francisco Bay area. And um, I took my marketing chops and started my put my little shingle out. And started my own consulting, marketing, consulting and strategy practice, working with tech startups and actually some very large tech firms. Um, what was interesting is I was working probably uh, on average about 35 hours a week um, on my own schedule, on my own time and making significantly more than I had working full time uh, at this company where I was commuting in outreach way. And so I was very much an early adopter to what we're seeing today. This kind of work from anywhere, be highly productive, create your own narrative in a way that can actually, and, and not commute, which for me was uh, very important, very meaningful to time and, and remains. So um, for environmental reasons, Bay area, hello, well, traffic. I mean, exactly. Exactly. I'm from the Bay Area, so I know how bad it is. No, it's true. <laughs> so, okay. So that's awesome. Okay. So you did, cause I wasn't sure when you said that when you started over kind of thing, like if you had your own business, so that's awesome. Um, what, what kind of interweave that with like what you learned from all these interviews and how, how you did it, but also what themes that you heard and that you found with these women who had to kind of create their own path because as mm -hmm. financial advisors, as insurance professionals, like whether you work for a company or you have your own RIA, you're really you're creating your own book of business, your own clientele, like you have your, your, your clients and you have to create it no matter how much they tell you, here's what you have to do. And you have to make this many calls and you have to do this much, many networking events. Like it's actually, even though there's friction, it's actually up to you what you do in order to create success. Even though sometimes they're on your back and look at your numbers, but really like I, I tell my ladies all the time, like just silence what they're telling you because I'm, I know it doesn't work. I mean, yes, it will work, but it's not efficient and effective. So let's just do it this way. And it actually will be more aligned with your life. So what specific themes did you find in your life and these thousands of women or hundreds of women that you spoke to who sound, sound so successful that you won't even tell me who they are? <laughs> uh, well, let's start with... Um... <laughs> Shout out to all the women financial advisors. We need more of you. Boom. I can't tell you how many financial advisors male that I fired because they wouldn't listen to me and they only listen to my husband. So let's start there. Yeah, let's also, awesome. 
So right. Um, and, and shout out to any woman that is actually trying to figure out how to navigate career or their careers in this incredibly oppressive anti-family environment. I mean, come on, we all know the data, the meta, you know, the, the story around our government that does nothing to support working families um, is shocking to me. You know, what they're 90, 192 countries in the UN, the US is one of two that doesn't have paid parental leave. You've got to be joking me, right? It's like every other country. And if you actually look at female engagement in the workforce, which is something I learned, you look at American participation and everyone's talking about the great, great resignation of women in the workplace. Let's be clear. Our workplace engagement has stagnated for the last 25 years. We have not gone up. Every Almost every other of our you know, uh, competitors, European countries, Asian countries, we're seeing increasing female workforce participation in our country stagnated. Point being, there is um, macro forces that are really weighing on women and, and, and parenting and women in the workplace, right? Let's start there if you're a parent and we're talking about that. There's also workplace constraints, right? What is success considered? What do we consider success? The person who's... They, um, Joan Williams at, at UCSF has defined what's called the ideal worker. Well, what's the ideal worker? It's the person who's work devoted, available 24-7, can travel to the drop of the hat, has some magical fairy at home doing all the laundry, taking care of the kids, making the food, going grocery shopping. Now, I don't know who that is, but I can tell you it was probably my dad who had my mother at home being the lovely housewife, supporting his very successful career. That's awesome. But that is not the reality for the vast majority of American women today, or men for that matter. So what do you do when you've got a workplace that doesn't support working families, right? We don't, most workplaces don't have meaningful paid leave. You know, they don't have, you know, all of the things, the infrastructure to actually support working parents, What's exciting to me right now is watching this kind of great awakening and employers desperate to figure out how to attract great talent and understanding that it's not just a women's issue. Millennial men are saying, I'm not going to work there. I want paid leave. I want this. I want these things that all of us deserve. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing some real transition. But I actually changed the subject and you were asking me about how did the women I interviewed um, navigate this? What were their tools and tricks? And I'll start with something that I so deeply admired. And it wasn't um, it, it, it was something I wish I had and I didn't. I left feeling like a failure. I left thinking I'm going to have to figure this out. I left not being empowered and thoughtful about my, my career path. So many of the women, successful women who had these nonlinear careers were very intentional about their choices. They didn't view it as a failure to say, hey, when my children are this age, I'm going to downshift temporarily. And that could mean to go to part time. It could mean I had one woman say I went from an 80 hour work week job to a 40 hour work week. That was my pause. Right. So it's all self-defined, but being very self-determined about what does success look like for me? How am I going to navigate this and know that this is a not forever situation? And not forever situations for some of the women I spoke to actually meant that they were all into their careers when their kids were younger and then paused when their kids were older. So it's all about defining what works for you and understanding that you're operating within this kind of market environment that have these forces that makes it very challenging. Does that make sense? Yeah, 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 absolutely. So I think, so what you're saying is, I mean, a lot has to do with self-defining it, but then how... If you can define it, how do you create that? Like, I mean, there's so many constraints and there's so many things. I'm just thinking of the listener right now going like, 
like you said, there's a magical fairy. And, and I can, I, I sometimes tell stories of how I had someone and, you know, oh, I'm so lucky as I have money and I can have someone like do my dishes at night. And like, you know, and, and I'm not trying to say that I'm saying it like facetiously because it's, it's ridiculous that um, I would do that, but it was also, I, I hired someone to do my dishes at night because I didn't want to do it. And I was able, it, it actually wasn't that much money. It was like 500 bucks a month to get someone to do that comparatively when you're like, oh, that will free up so much time in my head. And like, I, I had that magical fairy. Okay. We didn't keep the magical fairy for very long because we didn't want that person in our, in our house and our lifestyle. We, we shifted that. But money can give you those magical fairies, theoretically, mm-hmm. right? Where you can have someone doing your laundry and you can have, you know, someone doing your, your, your dishes and you can have someone cleaning up after your messes, which is like the luxury that I want and I like because I, I make messes. But there's, there are a lot of women who are here, maybe even if they have a very successful financial career, still going like, yeah, but I don't want to do that or that's not where I want to put my money or, or how do you do that? And then there's, there are a lot of women who are just starting going like, I can barely pay my bills and I'm supposed to be a financial advisor, let alone hire someone to do that. So I can define it all day long, but like, how do I actually do that? Like what, what is going to create that success? Like you had where you left your company, you started new and you were able to not just replace your income, but then to exceed your income before working half the time or at least partial time. Like, how do I do that? Lisa, how do I do that? That's what we want to know. So what, what, you're asking so many really important questions. And let me back up and say one thing. I am so tired of us blaming women. We are a culture that is focused on individualism. When you operate with individualism, we then don't change systems. We have to collectively change the system. If we keep trying to solve our individual problems, we are not going to solve the collective problem of a country and a workplace that does not support working parents. So, And my research was around knowledge workers, which was really about college graduates, right? Well, to a certain degree, by definition, if you have a college degree, yes, you may have some money or less money, but relatively, you are established and supported to, you've invested in your career to be successful financially, um, or at least cover your bills, let's just say, right? There's a whole swath of women, a vast majority of American women that actually don't have those resources. So, I want to make sure that we're talking about the, you know, the knowledge worker, which is where I feel like I can add some real value and, and also say we knowledge workers have to really band together to support all women in this country. So that's I want to frame that first, because if we keep making it an individual solution, individual problem, we will not see significant change. So now that we've got that out of the way, um, let, let's be clear. I'm married. I'm still married to the same guy I was married back then. He had benefits and he had a stable salary, which was the foundation that allowed me to take a risk. Hmm. We, he and I had spent quite a bit talking about how long am I going to take this risk? What are the, what, you know, we use savings. What is it going to take for us to do this and how long? So we did a financial analysis to determine what would that do? But I also wasn't working. There was another period of my career where I actually left the paid workforce for about two years. I did that twice. Actually, I've now just done it for a third time. All of them were related to caregiving situations in my life and my family. And we did the math. The USDA actually has what they call a child care calculator. And according to the child care calculator, I basically forego about $1.5 million in net income, including um, uh, or total income, including bonus promotion dollars, retirement, social security, et cetera, by pausing those two separate times. I didn't, I did this 
The most recent time was a few years ago, so it wasn't part of the calculation. The point being, $1.5 million is a major hit to my financial situation and my family. I didn't understand the consequences of that. So I love all of these financial advisors listening right now. And if you have women in your path or husbands, men and women, partners uh, in your path, trying to figure out how to navigate this, there are true long-term financial consequences to pausing your career. Thinking about that and being thoughtful about it really matters. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, how do you do that? I mean, don't do what I did, which was not have a plan. What a dumbo. I had no plan for what I did. I was just pissed off. And I'm like, I'm taking my human capital elsewhere. And then I sat down with my husband and said, yeah, honey, by the way, I quit today. So uh, we got to talk. <laughs> not a good strategy. Be smart. Have a plan. Understand what your two-year goal is, three-year goal is. Map out financially how to support yourself in terms of what savings do you have available to you. Understand your deal breakers, right? Like I, I, I also can't stand dishes, right? But here's the great thing. I got a husband who loves dishes. He can't stand ironing. I actually love to iron. There's a real division of labor in our in our family. So the other thing, and, and one of my friends, Eve Rodsky, writes a lot about this called fair in her book, Fair Play, about how women's time is not valued. So how are you valuing your time? Are you saying my time is as important as my partner's time? And assume you're married, you know, in a heterosexual marriage, are you actually saying that your time is as important? So when he goes golfing or goes tennis or, you know, has a business meeting in the evening, your career and your time is less valuable. So you're willing to sacrifice that. Really be thoughtful about what that looks like. I was lucky enough to have, one thing I do agree with Cheryl Sandberg on is one of her messages was, make sure you marry a guy who, you know, respects and values women's time and respects and values your contributions and your career. I was lucky enough to have that. And actually was very thoughtful about choosing my partner around that. So those are one of, it was interesting in my research for my book, uh, the women who were divorced, the vast majority of them were divorced because the husbands didn't respect their careers and diminished and devalued their contributions. That was fascinating to me. So um, the other thing that was really interesting is the women who actually never left the paid workforce, the vast majority of them, actually almost almost 50% of them had partners who had careers that weren't as, um, you know, there wasn't two power couple, right? It was one of them, their careers was really the power career. And the second one was in support of that. Either the husband stayed home full time or he worked part-time to support the career. So that kind of linear career path requires that ideal worker. Now, it doesn't matter if the ideal worker is male or female, right? But it does require that. So if we don't change our systems, you're going to see more and more of that, which means the pressure is on women to fill in the gap. So women, how are we feeling in the gap? What are our choices around that? Yeah, that's interesting. So I'm thinking about my relationship and I'm thinking about um, the dynamic there. And I do have a very supportive husband, although I do think it's it's very much assumed that I will take, like, I will make sure the kids are taken care of. And there's certain things that are assumed, just like you said, you know, you, you're okay with ironing. He's okay with the dishes. Like, I'm not okay with either. So no, but really I, I never iron. Totally but, good. <laughs> but but we do kind of we fell into our roles, right? And I'm the one that like has been taking care of finding the nanny and managing having the nanny and when the nanny comes. And if the nanny's not here, like I'm with the kids. And you know, if I want him to watch the kids, it I have to put on his calendar, you know, now it's your time, like you're with kid dad, you know, daddy's with kids or Trevor's with the kids. 
And so I sometimes get frustrated by that because I'm like, why does it have to be me that I'm like, I'm especially now we've had some nanny challenges and my nanny now has COVID as I mentioned before we started recording. And it's like, we've had to find out where we can find pockets of work, both of us, but it tends to be on me first. And then I have to kind of ask, and you know, we women don't always want to ask for help, you know? So it's like, I have to be like, can you watch the kids as opposed to you know, it's a, it's gotten to a point now where it's like, let's look at our schedules when you're watching, when, when I'm watching and neither one of our careers is like that, where one is more like, we're kind of both very, you know, have a lot of success. So it's not like, Oh, you better work now because you're going to make a lot more money or I better work now. Cause I'm going to make a lot more money. It's like, we both have successful businesses. If we're not there, things start to fall apart a little bit, you know, to some degree. And luckily we have teams and stuff. But I do think there's, um, you know, that's where we are now. And we're, it's, it's kind of luxurious because if, if we don't show up to everything, like we still have, like I said, we still have a, a team to help us and it will completely fall apart. But I remember, I mean, before, even before we got married, my husband had just declared a $2.2 million bankruptcy, something that was very, very easy to never forget. Um, so he was completely broke. I was working as a financial advisor. I think I got to a point where I was making a hundred grand a year and we weren't even married and I'm paying the bills and I'm already feeling a little resentful because of it. Scared he'll never be able to make money again because he just went through a $2.2 million bankruptcy. He had a daughter um, you know, she was three when we moved in together. So all this baggage and all this stress and pressure on me as a woman to make money. And this is before we even together had kids, you know, and now it's at a point where I'm like, oh, woe is me. I, I don't have a nanny for, you know, full time right now. You know, it's, it's really not that big of a deal. But what I, I think is just important is that we only got here because of the risks we took. And I could never plan this. You said it's like great to have a plan, but what happened really that actually did work wasn't not, I'm not saying it's, it's not good to have a plan. Like it's very idealistic to have a plan, but what I think is important, especially as business owners is to be willing to take risk. And there I was in my relationship, taking a risk with someone who declared a you know bankruptcy. There I was in my career, taking a risk to be like, okay, I, I can do this. And I can even kind of support my boyfriend who became a husband, you know, for, for a time being. And I'm taking a risk to now when I, you know, have kids to, to build this successful business. Like I took a lot of risks, I invested a lot of money in coaching, a lot of money in seminars, a lot of money in this. And if I had planned this stuff, like there's no way I would have taken action. Like if I was oh, like, okay, I'm going to go in debt and like, I'm going to, you know, in order to have the success. So how do you balance that? Cause well, let's sure. be clear. Hello. Who plan? All plans go awry, right? Let's like yeah, plans, yeah. Da, 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 Shakespeare. But let's be very clear. The, the, the master point of leadership, what I really saw in the women I interviewed and certainly in my own career is agility, right? How can we be agile and responsive and, and be resilient? And how can we navigate these things? In my company right now, Prison Work, we talk about hearty leadership. Hearty stands for humility, empathy, accountability, resiliency, transparency, and inclusivity. And in fact, your readers or listeners can go visit hardyquotient.com to see how strong they are in these various attributes. It's really cool. It's a new, it's a new self-assessment really cool. we just created. Yeah. So one of the things that I saw in the women who I interviewed who'd had these sex, sex successful careers was a real sense of humility, frankly, like I, I don't have all the answers. So, you know, I'm going to just try and figure it out and learn. So that growth mindset, that hum humility growth mindset, as well as a real resiliency. The other thing that, that I noticed that was fascinating is they were very transparent. I'm here where I am. I'm going to try and learn something more. I, you know, I, I'm 
when they pause their careers, for example, they were very explicit. I'm pausing for a period of time. I'm letting you know, this is my, you know, current plan. It might change, but this is what I'm doing. And they weren't hiding their truth. Mm -hmm. But I want to go back to something you said, Robin, that is so important. You said, um, and I'm going to misquote you, but essentially you said, it's still de facto your responsibility. And I would argue that we have a country that believes that, it, and maybe a world that believes that parenting is still a female, primarily uh, the mother's responsibility. And I think that is a missed opportunity for men who, certainly millennial men who want to father in a different way and want to see uh, and be engaged fathers. I think women can and do gatekeep around that. Well, I'm supposed to be the expert, so I'm going to gatekeep. And I also think that we allow ourselves to get trapped into that. And this is what led to, as I said, so many of the divorces, because when these women had actually went back full time to their careers and their husbands were like, oh, no, you still have to do everything. And by the way, make money to fix the bankruptcy we just went through or whatever it is. You can't do it all. That is a myth. That whole myth is wrong. And so what can you do and how can you create healthy boundaries for yourself and how can you justify and validate your choices and value your time? and have an alliance. I, my husband and I talk about designed alliances. What are we designing explicitly as a couple that we want to agree? What are we actually rising that's hidden that maybe we're not even honoring or being truthful to ourselves around? What's the designed alliance so we can have agreement on how we want to move forward? And we try and do that designed alliance, you know, uptake I'd say probably every year or every other year, kind of how are we doing now? What's going on? What's changed? How do we agile in response to this? Um, yeah, because all plans go awry. <laughs> oh. Yeah, for sure. And and I definitely, like I said, I said it, it ends up on me, but there's def there are definitely things that end up on him too. So I'm not even saying, Good oh point. man, it's not fair because like you said, I also probably take that. I want to be mommy. I want to be, you know, the one that the kids want, you know, and he takes on all these house projects that I'm like, uh, yeah, no, I'm not doing that. Not, not even, not even doing that. Like in one of those is typically laundry. He was like, can you help with laundry since the nanny's not here? I'm like, mm, yeah, there's a pile of laundry, you know? So, I mean, there's certain things like I just, it, it's, but it's you're dividing like labor in a powerful way and you're being thoughtful about it, which is, <laughs> yeah, which is great. Just, just, but, the, but there comes a point where I think that you kind of, you know, your value, whether it's in a relationship or within your business or where your time is best spent. And there are certain things that like, I just, I don't want to spend my time doing. Um, but I also think it's what you said. I think that was really huge for me. And it's kind of how I see the industry, the financial industry in general is that it's not an individual problem. It's really something that we have to change the trajectory of where we're going as a culture. And I think that's something I typically wouldn't think of except for like, I talk about increasing the footprint of women in the industry, like as a big project for us as women, we have to work together to do that. And bringing that back to, I think in my family thing is like, this is an individual thing, but you're, you're, you're talking about changing the culture, change, making a, a huge shift in the way people think and how, how women are accepted and how, you know, even what they do and how they spend their time is accepted. And especially in the financial services industry. I mean, I've heard it so many times where just today on, on one of my coaching calls, this woman said, I said, let's start with celebrations. And people are quiet these late and they're all women and they're like super quiet. And I'm like, come on ladies. And I literally was like, let's, let's get some celebrations. This is, this is crazy. 
And then, you know, out comes someone and she says, well, I did win the rookie of the year award last year for my, you know, for financial advisor. And I was only at the company for four months. And I was like, girl, damn, amazing. like, how come it took you that long? Like I had to pull it out of you to celebrate that. Someone else said, well, I got my first financial planning, you know, services um, client. And I'm like, why did, you know, why aren't we celebrating ourselves? We need to celebrate. And the woman who says that she won the award, she said, and her supervisor, OSJ, whatever it was, he didn't even tell her or congratulate her. It was the secretary that told her. So like the culture is not even to support these women. I have another client who basically said that she's in an office with all men and they go out to like happy hour. She walked around the street when it, like they're in the office, even during this time, but in the office and she saw them all hanging out at happy hour. They didn't even invite her, you know, and they, they had like a golf game, like a golf tournament or something that they played on a tournament, whatever they played golf without her, didn't even invite her just, and she's like, and I play golf. And I'm like, like, I'm sitting at home working all day, you know, and, and working, I'm in my little bubble of this is my life. I create my life and I create the success and I'm very responsible for the things that are happening for me and I, and, and not to me. And I feel like I control that. And I'm, I'm proud of that. And I create the success and, and I create the destiny and, and being part of this industry, like where I'm trying to get women to be so successful that we create a ripple effect and have other women success. Like you said at the beginning, it's like, there's no competition with women. Like we should be supporting each other. But I think this is like, what I want to end with is like, we're on this path together. There's, we should be supporting each other in this and we should create a movement. It's not just, you know, creating success. It's not just creating, you know, there's no individual equality, right? It's creating a movement. And how do we do this together to inspire other people to be on board with this? Um, Mm -hmm. So I I think that's a huge takeaway because I typically put a lot on myself because I know I can create success. I, 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 even my husband said like, when we first started dating, you know, I was, I was actually um, single for about 10 years before we started, before we started dating. And so I was just very much like, I, 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 and he's like, I'm all about team. It's we, like everything he talks about is we, and I'm still a little bit on the, like I movement because like, I've been like that for so long that I think it's on me, but I just wanted to emphasize that because I think that's huge. And I know we're coming to the top of the hour and you have another appointment. So, um, anything to add. And then I definitely want you to tell them about, cause talking about bringing all these women together and doing things for other women, you have a project, you're on the board of the prosperity project, financial literacy for young black women. So tell us a little bit about that. Anything you want to add to kind of close up shop here? Well, let's start with amen, sister. <laughs> I mean, we have got to stop um, thinking it's all on our shoulders and really start co- think about the collective. How can we collectively rise? I'm in part of a number of different women's organizations in the Bay Area. There's a phenomenal group called How Women Lead. If any of your financial advisors, actually, it's national now. So you can check out howwomenlead.org. And there's all kinds of support for women. What I find is singularly women right now are some of my business advocates. Most of my new business for my consulting practice comes from my network of women. Men too. I'm not here to say men aren't being great at great support, but I'm now finding we women are like, okay, this has got to stop. We've got to create our, our own girls network, if you will, or you know, women's network. So that is something that's happening. The other thing is I think, you know, I'm going to be 60 this year and I'm looking back at I'm looking back and saying, what did what did 32 year old Lisa need, and who could I have supported, and how can I amplify her? And you know, it's it even at 32, I think I was thinking that way. Like, what did 16 year old Lisa need? So there is something about 
servant leadership, for lack of a better word. How can, and I think we're all leaders. I don't care if you're leading yourself or you're leading, you know, what you're leading. We're all leaders in our lives. So how can you actually have that servant leader mindset? So you're actually going out to serve others. And if you want to go out like you're doing, Robin, and serving women and amplifying women, God bless you, because we need more of that. Um, and I love the whole concept about women and money. So thank you for that. Back to the Prosperity Project. Look, after, um, for me, understanding that uh, there is such an undue burden for Black women in our country when it comes to college-educated Black women, often who are first in their families to graduate from college, who have no financial literacy training or expertise, graduate and are saddled with debt to me, that's just a fundamental, you're never going to get out of that barrier. So what was one way that I could really contribute and give back? And I joined the board of the Prosperity Project. And we are just seeing, we've developed a um, financial literacy by Black women, for Black women, speaking specifically to their needs, their culture, their understanding, really being culturally competent to their unique challenges, understanding what it's life and that intersectional you know, burdens of racism and sexism and everything else. And then, then creating a, a, a program about retroactive scholarships to help them defray the cost of their scholarships that they're burdened with a student debt to break that, 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 that cycle of poverty or, or under potential. So for me, watching the young women who started this organization happening, helping support them is a huge reward and emotional reward. So um, check out prosperityproject.com or .org, please consider donating. And we'll be having an annual conference up in um, May, and we are looking for sponsors. So if your company or organization is interested in sponsoring, please let me know, uh, lisenstromberg at gmail.com. <laughs> and uh, I'd love your support. We'd love your support. That's amazing. That's awesome. And tell us again where to do Hardy. What did you call it? Yeah, it's go to www.harty, H-E-A-R-T-I, quotient. Don't ask me to spell it. Q-U-I-T-O, whatever. I'm a bad speller. Dot com. Help you. Yeah. Go check it out. You can assess your own kind of modern leadership skills and competencies, and we'll give you a kind of a report and you'll be able to understand where you are. Those soft skills are the skills that we're seeing true success happen in this kind of new world of work. And so that lack of empathy where those guys and went and had cocktails and excluded their, that's, that is not hearty. That speaks to, you know, a lack of empathy, a lot of, a lack of, you know, inclusion, right? I, I is inclusion. So like, go find that out and then find your peeps who are like you because you want that people who are hearty leaders. Awesome. And don't forget to check out the book, Work, Pause, Thrive. Well, thank you so much for joining me. This has been great. And um, yeah, those of you joining us, I mean, this is a lot to think about. You might want to listen to this one again and really think about your place, like not just individual, but really how as the collective, like you can play a role in this because we do, we women need to work together. We need to stick together and we need to create, create change uh, together. So thanks, Lisa. And so great to have you. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Are you getting all the quality prospects on your calendar that you'd like? If not, join us in the Appointment Generator Challenge. Go to femalefinancialadvisors.com and register for free. 
We guarantee you'll get five quality appointments in five days if you follow this system. And you can do it from online. You don't even have to pick up the phone. Whether you're just starting, whether you've been in the industry three to five years, or even 30 years, this challenge will be perfect for you. Check it out, femalefinancialadvisors.com and register for absolutely free. Can't wait to see you there. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.